Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I got it off my chest. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. I finally got something off my chest that's just been sitting there. You were The live group's probably like, oh, God, when are they going to do the episode? It's 327 right now, and... We've been live since three, and we've just been talking to people. Which is, you know, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And dealing with the internet. Yes. It's also happening. Mm-hmm. I want to recommend to everyone, first off, that they go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com so they can hang out with us and solve all the world's problems outside of the podcast. Some really important, pressing problems for everyone, I'm sure. And also that you go back and listen to yesterday's episode where we interviewed Mr. Joe and Norberg because... That was a really good interview. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, it was positive and uplifting. I don't know how he handles being so positive all the time. I wanted to do a thing actually yesterday where I typed up something really, really negative and have him read it. And he would just make it sound so good and positive. <laughs> you know, that's just the way that he talks. It's amazing. So anyway, go back and listen to the episode. It was a it'll real make treat. you feel good. It, it was, was the best real... White Pill Wednesday we've had. Yeah, by far. That is... The guy wrote the book he <laughs> on White Pill. He did. Yeah. He wrote the White Pill book that we go back to called, pretty often. It's called Progress. Progress. By the way. You liked it. I corrected you. During Progress. The, uh, yes. During the episode. All right. So um, let's get in. First off, some breaking news. We're just going to play a video here real quick. Breaking maybe within the last couple hours or so. See, that's why we do the show later in the day so we can catch more news. That other people who do their stupid morning shows don't actually get to catch. So that's that's why we have to yeah. do this. But you guys know the whole Rittenhouse trial thing going on. Well, MSNBC has been banned from going back into the courtroom for the remainder of the trial. All right. So I'm going to play the video where the judge explains what happens or what happened in this scenario. I think it's um it's good that they got caught. It's good that they got in trouble for it. And um, you decide why they did it. I don't know. A person who identified himself as James G. Morrison and who claimed that he was a producer with NBC News, employed uh, for MSNBC um, and under the supervision of a person, what's going on? Oh, okay. Uh, Under the supervision of someone named Irene Bayon in New York. Uh, for MSNBC, uh, the police, when they stopped him because he was following in a distance of about a, a block and uh, went through a red light, pulled him over and inquired of him what was going on and he gave that information and stated that he had been instructed by Ms. Bayon in New York to 
follow the jury bus. Uh, the matter is uh, under further investigation at this point. Um, and the media has asked questions about it. That's the latest I have. Um, okay, that's enough. Man, he says, um, way too much. Uh, he needs to work on that. I mean, it is literally a time filler for him. Um, so what's happening here? I like what he does when he thinks. He kind of like crosses his arm yeah. and just goes. You know. He'll take his time and just sit there awkwardly. But um, anyway, so Jim Morrison was following the bus too closely, ran a red light and was pulled over and then found that they were, had been, he had been told by the producer in New York to follow the bus. Now, of course, a lot of people on Twitter and the right wing sphere are speculating that this was for jury in intimidation for them to be able to figure out where all the jurors lived and all that sort of stuff i don't know exactly why they did it maybe they just wanted to be ready after the trial to be able to go find people and interview them something like that we can all speculate on what that is but it is pretty funny that msnbc like the craziest news outlet out there is going to be banned from going to the trial and we're going to talk a lot about what the media has done uh, during this whole process and some of the other cases. And this is just a perfect little icing on the cake right there. And I'm sure there's conspiracy theories on the left saying like, oh, this is just, you know, set up. Obviously, this is a right wing judge. Yeah. Banning our news station. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Magoo said, I'm sure he was just a bus enthusiast. Yeah. yeah. That's probably what it was. So other things while we're talking about that trial, we're going to stick on some trials here for a minute. But I'm sure you guys know what's going on, this whole thing with the video. I don't know what's going to end up happening with this, but the Rittenhouse prosecution allegedly withheld video evidence from the defense. Mistrial is still on the table. So the defense did ask for a mistrial with prejudice once again. The Illinois Teenagers defense team is from the Blaze, by the way. Thanks, Glenn filed a written motion on Monday requesting a mistrial with pre prejudice, including two previous allegations and a third that claims the prosecution deliberately withheld a higher quality version of the drone video evidence. According to the outlet on November 5th, prosecutors gave defense attorneys a compressed version of the drone video that was not as clear as the video kept by the state. Then on Saturday, they handed over the higher quality video to the defense. The prosecution argued that they did not intentionally withhold the higher quality version of the video. They also said that the version of the video was played many times during the trial, thus affording the defense opportunity to, opportunity to comment on it. And here's why, this, here's why this really, really matters is because the prosecution's argument is now centered around this thing that came from the Jerome, Jerome video, which is Kyle Rittenhouse allegedly pointing his gun at one of the other protesters, not one of the people he shot, but pointing his gun at someone. And so by arguing that, they're arguing that he was provoking a response. He was the provocateur. Mm -hmm. That he, Nothing provocative happened before that, no. but that he was the one that was provoking a response. And so everyone had a reason to go towards him. Now, I saw some of the video. It's not clear to me that he was pointing a video unless there's something that I haven't uh, pointed, pointing a gun at one of them, unless there's something I haven't seen. Everyone, you know, maybe you put one in someone's general direction, but I think what what the defense should have also said in this case was that if you're 10 feet away, 15 away from a person with a gun, it could even look like, especially from a drone video at night, it could look like you're pointing a gun at someone. But it's 
hard sometimes to hit a target with a gun because you could be off by just a little bit and not actually be pointing at the thing that you mean to be pointing at. What I mean by that is so if someone's 10, 15 away, it might look like there's a gun pointed at them, but it might actually be pointed over there somewhere, like several feet over to the side. And the person holding the gun might know that I'm not actually pointing the gun at the person right now. The other issue is unlike Mr. Binger, yes, <laughs> who pointed the yeah, who pointed the rifle directly at the jury. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the uh, so he was obviously provoking a guilty. The issue is they were able to blow this up the higher quality, and they were able to do some 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 technological things with the video where they have enhanced the image and it is showing allegedly that he is pointing the gun at someone. There's a whole other thing about the whole enhanced image thing that they use a software to basically an AI software to fill in the blanks where there weren't any pixels that were, that were filled in and, and essentially guess what the colors were for each pixel. So they could make the color, they could make the image more enhanced. And I'm not really big on doing stuff like that because you are actually changing the image. Once you add in colors to some of the pixels, not real big on that whole idea, but anyway, this is going to be this is going to be an interesting situation for sure. I think what's going. I thought that it was illegal to introduce uh, enhanced. They they had a whole thing about it. They had enhanced it. They had used a software where they blew up each pixel, and they basically used the software to pick what the color would would be in each one. I mean, literally. I, listen, I'm sure it's probably mostly right, but when you're literally admitting to adding to uh, doctoring, for lack of a better term, a video to make it show something that it did not originally show, I think that's kind of weird in a defense, in a, in a, in a trial over a homicide to, you know, to, to show something like that. I'm not real big on that whole idea. It was also nighttime. It was from a drone. doesn't have the best camera and it was at night. So obviously just not a great image to be blowing up like that. So I think that there is, I think what's going to happen here, the jury's taken enough time. And from what I hear, there's allegedly a couple holdouts that aren't wanting to go with the not guilty. And so they could end up, if those holdouts really, really hold out, uh, they could end up with a hung jury on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if they do come up with a guilty on something, I think the judge might still just declare a mistrial. I think he's waiting to give the jury a chance to do it so the blame's on them and not on him. But I think he's kind of holding back the mistrial thing as a safety net to see what the jury comes up with. That's that's what I've noticed on the matter so far. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. You can still declare a mistrial even after the verdict. Um, so at the end of this article here, it says that they can do that. Yeah. Uh, though it's highly unlikely, but it's still well within his rights. He could also uh, overrule the jury mm-hmm. if he sees that the evidence doesn't hold up their verdict. Um, then I think you better have a really good security team. If that's this happens. also possible as well. And so. It is going to be very interesting. This is all speculation. We have no idea what's actually going to play out. They don't even know what's going to play out. That's very obvious by how this whole entire trial has gone down. Um, and so I'm with you, though. I don't see how um, – to me, if they are able to doctor evidence to show what they want to show, essentially. I mean, they could doctor all kinds of things. Yeah. To be like, oh, you were at Disney World? 
Well, I have this enhanced view of the metadata of your phone that says that you were at the scene of the crime. Speaking of metadata, by the way, this I'm, I'm sure something the prosecution didn't expect, but they said that it was the same file that they had just emailed it over, and it must have been the compression between the phones or something like that that they just basically sent well, no, over the same it, file. I can't help the compression of yeah. the email server. So she said, one, that she did not open it on her phone, that she opened the email like on her computer and opened it up. And then she, um, one, of the, one of the defense attorneys went into the metadata on the videos and started talking about the metadata on the videos while they were talking about this. And I guarantee you the prosecutor did not expect that at all. It was a different timestamp. Well, and that's why the judge was saying, was like, look, we're going to have to get expert testimony on this. We can't, mm-hmm. You can't argue this, you know? So essentially they're going to have to bring somebody in to do an, an investigation on whether or not the prosecution actually withheld evidence. And I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be real sticky uh, for the prosecution. Of course it's the government. So I'm sure there's not going to be any repercussions. Again, this guy is arguing a case on, on on national TV. So I'm sure he's got a, a hefty promotion, you know, regardless of what the outcome is. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think, um, you know, he'll have a hard time probably keeping this specific job if he loses this one. The other thing... Wait, there was what, video um, editing software on the prosecutor Yeah, so laptop? when he opened up the file, there's a there's a shot of that now where they're showing... I think it was in a file folder. You could see a folder. I don't know if you could see the program or you could see a folder that's automatically created um, for the editing software, but he did have a video editing software installed on his computer. The metadata showed that it was uh, something that was created, what she say, 21 minutes uh, later than the original video. And anyway, it's, um, it's seeming like, seeming like there is going to be a chance at least that regardless what the jury comes back with, that the judge might end up throwing this out anyway. And I do think even if it's just a mistrial, um, without prejudice, they say that they can try him again, or it's a hung jury and they can try him again. I think they have a lot better time next go around because now the defense is going to know everything they're going to be ready to argue about the provocation argument which was just kind of brought up towards the end of the trial so they're going to be ready to argue on that so anyway i think it's gonna i i'm ready for it to be over i'll tell you that but there's another trial that's going on right now that the goose says it's been a few months since a good riot yeah gotta have a good, so, good ride every once in a while every once in a while you know a forest has got to burn to replenish itself from time to time, like Thomas Jefferson said. Civil unrest, okay. Um, there's another trial going on, this thing with Ahmad Arbery, which uh, happened back in 2020 in Georgia, that really people aren't talking about that much. I mean, I see it showing up live now on YouTube. That's probably just because I watched a bunch of Kyle Rittenhouse stuff, and now YouTube thinks I want to watch the Ahmad, uh, Ahmed Arbery trial as well. Um, so... Charlie, you can go. Reason has a nice article about this, and I want to talk about. Do you remember this one going on? This is the one where the people tried to make the citizens arrest, and then they ended up killing the guy. And I think there's a reason that the media is not blowing this one up like they are the yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse trial. All right, so the prosecution rests in the uh, Ahmad Arbery Arbery tri- uh, murder trial from Reason. Ahmad Arbery, a 25-year-old black man, was shot and killed by Gregory and Travis McMichael, a father and son pair, in Brunswick, Georgia, back in February 2020. Their neighbor, William Bryan Jr., has also been charged. The trio of white men is accused of chasing down and murdering Arbery 
uh, who was jogging through the neighborhood. Attorneys for Travis McMichael say their client sought first to scare off Arbery and de-escalate firing as Arbery got close and fearing that the unarmed man would take McMichael's weapon. Prosecutors contend that McMichael cannot claim self-defense because he, his father, and their neighbor were the aggressors. Pursuing Arbery in their trucks and then confronting him in their coastal Georgia neighborhood of Satilla Shores in February 2020. Now, this first thing, just before we go any further, they're saying that that McMichael wanted to scare off Arbery to de-escalate the situation. I'm going to go ahead and call BS on this one because they had just chased him with their trucks for several for several blocks around the neighborhood. So you didn't get there and you're like, oh, we're going to try and we need to de-escalate this whole situation. I'm really worried about this guy. You know, he's a danger. It's just, we'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute, but you know, there's a reason no one's talking about this and that's because it's pretty clear what the verdict is going to be on it. So it's not going to cause any riots. Right. While the Rittenhouse trial, which increasingly looks like it may result in an acquittal, has been wrongfully framed by some in the media as an issue of racial animus. The uh, Arbery case is much more straightforward. Three white men chased down a black man who had nothing wrong, had done nothing wrong and killed him. He didn't have a gun and he wasn't threatening them. It's much easier to argue that the McMichaels were the aggressors, though ultimately the jury will... De- I put in the Georgia criminal code in here for the citizen's arrest, which they've since changed after this case happened. Uh, but they... Georgia does allow people to make a citizen's arrest, all right? So I wanted to have a little bit of a philosophical conversation about this because, you know, what's funny is we have two instances of community policing that have gone negatively right here. I don't see that there should have been any reason that this guy should have been killed for what he did, which was walk onto a construction site, a home that was under construction. There was video of him doing that. Didn't steal anything. He was looking around. Maybe he was interested in uh, new houses and stuff. I don't know. That part doesn't really matter all that much because the guys weren't actually right there and watching him go in there and do it. It wasn't their house or whatever. They weren't standing outside the house trying to guard it from people going in there trying to steal stuff. Nothing like that. And then the guy aggressed on them or anything. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really different situation. And... The fact that he went into the house and then he left and he did leave running immediately out of the house because one of the neighbors had called the police and was standing out in the front yard. Um, it's just a totally different situation. That's that's why I don't know about this whole citizen's arrest thing and whether or not there need to be rules on, on that because we have rules for police, right? And we know why we have rules for police and when they can use force and when they can't use force. And so to me, like if these were cops that chased him down and killed him. Probably there'd be a little bit of a different perspective. It was like, well, cops shouldn't, you know, cops obviously shouldn't do this. They shouldn't meet a guy with their guns drawn while he's walking down the road or running down the road or anything like that. You know, I don't think you get to chase someone down and, and play judge, jury and executioner. Yeah. You know, this is completely different than, than self-defense or at least from the evidence I've seen, it's different from self-defense. Now, was he trespassing? Yes. Is that a crime? It can, can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was he actively aggressing against anyone? It didn't look like it. Um, and so you're right. I think it's a completely different situation. I think when it comes to community police policing or uh, whatever this uh, Georgia code is here, arrests uh, by private persons, is it something that you would arbitrate in a court for 
hey, this guy was trespassing on my property. Here's the evidence. And you settle the dispute that way. Uh, I don't think you get to decide their fate uh, by chasing them down. Yeah, what I what I really object to, because I know the guy was probably breaking the law. He might have been looking for things to steal. People, I used to do construction. People go on the construction sites and they steal stuff because people working leave tools that are very expensive laying around. I don't know that that's what he was doing, but I am saying that's probably what people thought he was doing. They had had we go some... go look at construction stuff all the time? I've gone into houses that were under construction before yeah. to see what they were see what they were doing. I guess I was trespassing at that time, but... This guy, they had suspected that someone had done this before. He had gone in there. Someone else uh, just put in there and that he had gone in there at night also with a flashlight looking around. I don't know. I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, but that that might be the case. They'd had some other break-ins, some uh, stuff stolen out of vehicles and everything. Basically, the neighborhood was ready to put a stop to it. And in this situation, you just have to ask yourself, in this situation, is it reasonable to see this person... One, you know that they didn't steal anything at that time. You don't have proof that they're the one that stole stuff at any of the previous times that you're worried about things being stolen. So this is all speculation still. You don't have the proof. Not going to be able to charge them with the previous crimes or anything as your community policing. And so is it reasonable to chase the guy with your truck and cut him off and get out of your truck with your guns drawn on him with no other, no one else's property on him? He's not harming anyone. Trespass, yes. Um, not harming anyone. I'm just saying a, a, a police officer, I think, would not immediately just get out and be threatening immediate, you know, physical violence. What's well, the thing? Can you, I mean, can you go after him and, and try to talk to him? Well, yeah. But you don't get to jump out of your truck with your gun drawn already. It's the gun drawn thing that bothers That's, me. Exactly. Because in That's Georgia, the, you can go after him and you can try to arrest him as a, as a citizen. Like you, you can't anymore, but you could do that. Mm -hmm. But then I have questions from his perspective too. Is it reasonable that he knew that that was something that they were legally allowed to do, which was try to arrest him, that they had the, the authority quote unquote, to be able to do that? Is it reasonable? That, or did he think that a few guys who had no authority whatsoever were, were just trying to, maybe he was trespassing, but a few guys are just trying to beat him up or rough him up or do something like that because they saw him walking into a place. Did he know that they were working on behalf of the police at that time? Or did he think that they were about to do some awful things to him? Well, and that's the thing. I, you, you, you know, you could, they're trying to argue they acted in self-defense because he looked like he was going to grab the gun or tried to grab the gun. But let me ask you the question. If you were running down the street and you didn't know these people who just came up on you and they, they jump out at you yelling with guns drawn, what are you going to do? Well, then you're going to be, you're going to quickly correlate like, oh, these guys must be affiliated with that property that I was, that I was looking in, even though I didn't steal anything. And they're, they're trying to kill me for it. Yeah. Like, you can, because they came out with guns drawn. It was Arbery who was acting in self-defense by trying to grab the gun away from the guy and then ends up getting shot and killed, I think not that, the other way around. I think that, too, regardless in that scenario, where I'm going to is, is it reasonable to assume that he knew what the law was, that they had some type of legal authority to arrest him? Or did he think that they were just trying to rough him up? And in that case, when people get out of their truck and they're just pointing guns at you and you're right there within a few feet of them what like well, even if you, you are wrong even video, if you are wrong you're still gonna try to like i don't know they might kill me i have no idea what these guys are doing right now 
try and defend yourself. And then well, the- and people in the in the live group are like, "Oh, the, I know I'm not going to grab the gun," but it's like you don't. Most humans don't know what they're going to do when they panic, right? The, a lot of them are flight. There's a lot of people that are dead that, that would, didn't try to grab the gun, right? A lot of people run. Some people try to grab the gun. That's sometimes it's fight or flight. It's, it's usually based on instinct. Um, you're not you're not really thinking at that time. You're reacting. But you could tell in the in that video is when they first approach him with all this stuff, he looks confused. It's obvious to tell. He's like, what the, what the hell's going on? And then as soon as like his brain recognizes what's happening, he has a reaction of, of grabbing the gun, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, I obviously don't know the whole story. I haven't been watching the trial. I haven't seen all the evidence evidence, but I watched the video and I, when I watched the video, I'm like, yep, that's definitely murder. Were they so where this is going to come down legally was when they chased him down and they got out of their trucks with their guns drawn and were trying to get him to stop. Were they acting legally at that time when they did that? And so I think this case could be a little bit more tricky than than people think. I think there's more of a chance of not guilty than people think in this case, where if they were acting, if everything they did was legal to that point, then they might have a case for self-defense, which is what they're claiming right now. They might legally, they might be able to have that case. And I'm just arguing both sides, but I'm trying to, you know, get everyone prepared for what might happen here. So I am now Chuck. I haven't watched the trial, but I'm an expert Thompson. (laughs) No, it's Chuck. I haven't watched the trial, but I have an opinion. Yeah. Thompson. Yeah. I'm saying based on what I've seen, I haven't seen it all, but based on what I have seen, this is my opinion based on what I have seen. I just watched the timeline and the videos and stuff uh, of the thing happening. I watched the timeline of everything leading up to it, which was pretty informative. And I'm just saying this is a little bit more tricky. But the main point of talking about this in the first place was why isn't this case being blown up like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is? As we see, this, there's a little bit of speculation here, which one's right, which one's wrong. I think people are going to be more likely to say that the guys who killed Ahmed Arbery are, are more in the wrong, that that's going to be a little bit easier sometimes for people to say. And then it is for me than it is with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Uh, but anyhow, they're not covering this because people expect it to be a guilty verdict. That's why they're not covering it because they don't think they'll be able to incite any riots from it because they think it's going to end up being guilty. That's why they're not covering it Mm -hmm. because this is three white dudes chasing down a black dude and killing him in Georgia. This is perfect for MSNBC and CNN. Couldn't get any better than this situation right here. But the thing is, they think that this is going to go to a guilty verdict. That the and system so there's is going to work. And so there's not going to be any need for anyone being insanely upset afterwards. If there's not going to be any riots inside it, or there's not going to be any major controversy after that comes up. In the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, I think everyone knows that there was a, at least a decent shot at the start of the trial that he was actually going to be found not guilty because it was pretty clear based on the video evidence that he was acting in self-defense. And so this is what this is what they do. They're covering the one where they think they can get everyone all invested in it and get everyone all worked up about it. And then it doesn't go the way that the leftists think it should go. And then people are going to go nuts. They're not going to cover the one 
where they're going to get people worked up and then it goes the way they think it should go and then everyone just goes back to you know playing yeah. Scrabble or whatever it is they're going to do. That's not what the media do. Scrabble. Scrabble probably. That's the game of choice. Yeah. Among these among the woke. Yeah. Anyway. I think I think you're dead on. I, I really think they're choosing carefully because the higher chance of acquittal is obviously in the Rittenhouse case because it was, well, it, one, he's innocent. Two, it was poorly prosecuted as well. So uh, I think most people look at this trial and can tell this is the one. This is the one that's going to get the most people upset. This is mm-hmm. going to tune in the, the most voters. Um, and... The, sorry, not most voters, most viewers, probably voters too, but most <laughs> viewers. And uh, that's why they're going with that one. But they could have spun this up if they wanted to. Oh, like, absolutely. The narrative is perfect for this trial. They could have spun it up Racism just like the is alive thing. and well. You got in Kenosha, you got a white dude killing two white people somewhere that were in the middle of burning down buildings and cars and stuff like that. It was at, a, it was like at that. a BML protest. It, so it was black or a BLA. It was also the BLM protest too. Yeah, uh, yeah that's 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 true. But they also want to separate out the people who are, remember the people that are burning stuff down and do all this stuff. They're not BLM people, you know. They're they could have came out and made uh, the people that he killed these crazy right wing insurgents up there that were that were trying to wreak havoc and make BLM look bad. Like they could have, they could have spun the narrative in a, in a lot of different ways here, and then gone with the one where three white guys cornered a black guy and killed him, and it would have just been like the most perfect thing possible. They're they're covering it based on what they think the verdicts are going to be in the cases. That way, they can get people as upset as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's re- that's really all it is. Um, speaking of getting people spun up as much as they possibly can, Charles, tell me about this survey real quick from the Western Journal, folks. Survey. of liberals think cops killed around or over a thousand unarmed black men in 2019. It was actually 25. Mm. It's pretty, pretty different number there. Uh, What is that? 2.5%? I don't know. 25 of a thousand? Sure. Yeah. 44% of liberals believe a thousand or more unarmed black men were murdered by police in 2019. In contrast, about half of those who reported being uh, conservative or very conservative estimated about 10 unarmed black men were killed in 2019. The actual numbers are staggering. According to a mapping police, uh, to a mapping police violence, a crowdsourced database cited in a USA Today fact check, just 25 unarmed black men were killed. Yeah. Yet almost half of liberals way overestimated. Why do you think that is? Now this is well, it's because of the silo thing we've been talking the about. The echo chamber that they're in? Exactly. So you I've have never heard it called a silo before, so I just go back and well, I think silo I'm thinking about like back on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a, a silo, mm. a grain bin. I gotcha. Just surrounded by your own grain. <laughs> and just echoes. There's a lot of echoes inside There's, of a silo. So exactly. Guess, yeah, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Makes sense. I'm not saying you should fall into one. Yeah. It'd be pretty dangerous. I've walked around in one that was, you know, had a lot of corn in it before. You can start slipping down just like, see how people mm-hmm. drown in corn sometimes. It's it's a real thing. It'll eat you up. It, All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the corn will eat you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time they do, too, they're like, finally got one. 
the corn. <laughs> it's like the happening part two. This victimized corn sitting in the grain bin. After all my friends have been eaten, I finally got one back. <laughs> this is a long and courageous battle, the corn's fight. And you know, I don't even feel bad for the corn, you know, when I see that, I'm like, you get them, corn. Win one for the home team. That's right. That's what uh, Anthony Justnick said about when he saw shark shark attacks, someone getting killed by a shark. Mm-hmm. He's like, three million sharks are killed by humans every single year. So like when I see one get a, and when I see a person get killed by a shark, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but no, it's, it's, well, and you think back to uh, COVID as well. I mean, when you survey people, uh, things are a lot worse than they actually uh, appear than they actually are. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying appear to be, that's, that's the wrong verbiage. Things are, uh, they appear to be worse to people than they actually are. And, but they also don't care about the facts. The facts don't matter to them. Now, 25 unarmed black men is too many. I don't like it. Way too many. Some of them were justified. Some of them probably were not. Yes. You know, I will say one's too many. Mm -hmm. Uh, One unjustified murder by police is too many. How Um, can any of those be justified if they were unarmed? Huh. Mm. I'm just trying to ask the uh, Kenosha prosecutor right now. They probably had a skateboard. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Um, but anyway, I, you know, it's just, what can I say? It, it's not surprising. Yeah. This statistic or this stat right here is not surprising that it's blown way out of proportion. That's the same thing on, with one side from the other same thing with covid the the stats were that roughly around 38 percent of liberals thought that the chance of being hospitalized from covid was over 50 percent and it's nowhere close to that it's not close to that at all that's way more than than what the actual chances are and it's so one like percent yeah so like one percent maybe two percent i don't know something like that Closer than this number right here. But the point is, people are just constantly getting manipulated by the media. They cherry pick stories that they're going to tell so they can try and get people as worked up as they possibly can. And this is what we're getting. As, uh, and people need this, people just need to quit falling for it. If you're going to base an opinion off of, I'm really upset about unarmed black people being killed by police, which... If it wasn't a justified shoot, I'm very upset about that, too. And I don't want anyone to be killed. I would rather if they if they need to be, then they would just be arrested and not be killed. I don't I don't like death. Mm-hmm. It's not not something that I like. So um, what people need to do is base it off of what the actual numbers are and not the feeling that they have from watching the news or from scrolling Twitter. That would be the way that you fix that. And you can blame it on the media if you want to, where they're just reporting things that people will stop and watch. But also you got to blame it on people too, for not taking that actual responsibility to look up what the actual numbers are. Cause if you're thinking it's like a thousand, maybe you should look up the actual number sometime, you know, everyone ever, anyone ever thought of looking up the number to see what it is? It doesn't, uh, it's about my feelings. Yeah. That's the problem. All right. Well, and look, you know, humans are emotional beings. And so, a lot of people get bored with the facts, let's say. The majority of people get bored with the facts. But if you're going to, if you're going to direct policy, if you're going to you know, try to influence and persuade people on policy change and, and politics, then maybe 
that's when you should look at the numbers and make sure that what you're advocating for is correct. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that, that doesn't mean to say that we don't need change in policing. We absolutely do. Again, one, you know, unjustified unarmed black men, black men is too many. One white one is too many. One unjustified armed person is it's too many. Exactly. Just because you, uh, we got a right to carry a gun. Just because right. you got a gun on you doesn't mean that you were, or that you need to be killed by so, the cops. So there do need to be police changes. We went over all those with the George Floyd case, right? We could end the ju- drug war, and how do you, and how do you do that? You reduce police. You reduce unnecessary police interaction, and that's done by ending the drug war. Um, really big one there. Deregulating a bunch of uh, regulations and laws that police are tasked with. We could start with traffic, which is an insane one. Um, I still think traffic is just a reason for people to say that they smell drugs so they can search your car. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's really what it is. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not even saying the, the ultimate goal would be get rid of them, but I'm not even saying that. Like, let's start with maybe decriminalizing some drugs. Let's make grass. You're saying incremental approach? Let's yeah. Let's uh-huh. make grass legal or, or decriminalize it. <laughs> it's not, not illegal to a, have a certain plant. A plant, right? Mm. Um, hey, Charlie's just a pothead. That's what's exactly. actually going on. Yeah. Are you a pothead, Fokker? Four twenty. All right. Uh, so okay. Let's um. Oh wait, do you have anything else? Well, I was good? just trying to finish a point, but it's fine. I no, don't I mean, if, I don't. I don't. Know. This is I'm your sorry. show. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you get anywhere close to making one, but if you want to go. Yeah, I know. That's, that's fine. <laughs> then go ahead. No, I think I've lost. I lost the point uh, amid the long point I was making. Yes. We'll get back to it sometime. The point is there, there are police reforms that need to be made. Sure. So it's not, we're not saying that, but you don't uh, advocate for uh, policy change if you don't know the numbers. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of um, ironic, maybe, that we are dealing with two instances where community policing went poorly and everyone, everyone who is in favor of community policing thinks that all these people need to be put behind bars for what they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. Everyone. I hadn't even thought about it that way. So that that's just a, it's a little bit ironic. I must say GOP now back to the, let's get back to talking about vaccine mandates. That's way easier. Enough about All these right? trials. Enough about people's lives being ended. Enough of these podcast lawyers. Yes. <laughs> um, GOP, you know, I said if what they were doing was legal in that case, then they're going to have a good case for self-defense. And by saying if, I'm implying that I do not know whether or not what they are doing was legal. I know morally where I come down on the issue, where what I'm saying is I don't think that if someone didn't take anyone right there, you didn't see him do it, you don't have proof that they're the one who did it earlier, all those things, they're not posing a threat to anyone at that time. The getting out guns drawn and creating that situation is much different than the Kyle Rittenhouse situation where people are breaking in places, burning them down assaulting people if they're not doing what you like them to do if you're around there doing all sorts of stuff like that actually committing like acts of violence in that case that there's a little bit of a different story and standing like on guard for a specific business would be different to hearing that someone did something over there and then go over there and search them out 
and find them. Like I said, if these guys were standing outside the construction house that they're so dearly worried about and with, on guard, and this guy bursts his way through there into the doors so he could look around at the house and see if there are any tools in there, then there's a, that's a totally different scenario. Morally, in my opinion, I'm saying legally, I don't know what the answer is. Just another, mm-hmm. just another podcast lawyer. Yep, that's all it is. GOP mm-hmm. majority court chosen to consider the Biden vaccine mandate. Also, another vaccine man- mandate news. OSHA said yesterday that they will not be enforcing the mandate. So that they is set up yours, Biden. You no, know, they well, they just said that it's basically they can't because the judge stayed the order. Now they said that it was still con. They still believed it was constitutional. Oh, okay. But they are not going to be enforcing it because the court has stayed the order. Also, I hate this. The GOP majority court. Yeah. It's yeah. not, judges are not supposed to be politically affiliated. So this, um, in a, now what they say inside <clears throat> the article is good, but I don't like the title. Yeah, there's a point to why they're saying it, which is that these were people that were appointed by Republicans. Yes. And so that's, that's why they're saying that. But from AP, Challenges to Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for private employers will be consolidated in the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, a panel dominated by judges appointed by Republicans. Do you guys know how this works, by the way? Do you know why they did this? Um, because, no. I mean, not legally. So what's interesting is if there are multiple laws, lawsuits filed in mm. multiple mm. Um, district uh, courts and court of appeals... The circuit courts. Um, so if there are multiple lawsuits filed in all of them, which there was in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, uh, ninth, and the D.C. district, that's how many cases were filed. And if they're all similar in nature, what they do is they consolidate them down. They go through a, multi, a multi-circuit court selection process. Um, and then the judges are decided by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And uh, it's basically a random lottery. And so the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals won that. So they are going to rehear the case from the Fifth Circuit. Now, had the Fifth Circuit won the lottery, the multi-circuit lottery, their their order of stay would have stayed. Mm, They don't have to rehear the case. I got you. But since it went to a new court, now they're going to bring all these together. And so it'll be the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals decision that continues. You're a but podcast legal es- expert, Charlie Thompson. Yeah, podcast lawyer. You just went from zero to hero I, right I, there. You're welcome. <laughs> I find uh, the why interesting. The um, This is a pretty crazy process right here. I mean, it's random, and I get it. Cincinnati-based court was selected Tuesday in a random drawing using ping pong balls, a process employed when challenges to certain federal agency actions are filed in multiple courts. So they are... So they did use ping pong ball. Let's just see what happens right here. I understand the process of making it random. I have a philosophical problem with this because your right to not be vaccine mandated should not be determined by the way that a ping pong ball selection turned out. It's, it's a, you either have that right or you don't. And not even talking about that right now. It's just a very subjective, or it's a very arbitrary process. And what I don't like is we're deciding whether or not the government's going to protect these rights for people. And what we're saying is if the ball would have bounced somewhere else, then people would have ended up magically, human beings would have ended up not having a right. 
or or the businesses or whoever it is would have ended up not having the right. But since the ball went this way, the ball's in their court, then people probably are going to end up having that right. And that's just kind of where we are right now. The, the court, we don't need to have the government making these types of laws or edicts because that is just too subjective and arbitrary for me. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it was a favorable outcome for the Republicans. 11 of the 16 full-time judges in the Sixth Circuit were appointed by Republican presidents, accounting for one of the Republican-appointed judges uh, who often sides with the judges appointed by Democrats. You know, I have an annoying point to make that maybe some people, um, and I'm still saying that, you know, I, I understand, I like the fact that it was, I'm not arguing with the process of it being totally random like this. So I, that's not what I'm against in this. I, I like the fact that it was random instead of like the, um, the administration picking the court that was going to hear it. Like mm-hmm. that, the ping pong ball is a way better option. Yeah. I agree with that. What I don't like is the philosophical argument of, I've got the same rights today, regardless of where the ping pong ball went. I've got those rights. Right. And what we're saying is your rights were going to be protected or taken away based on this. And I'm just saying we've reached a really arbitrary standard of what rights people have and what, and what the government's going to protect. That's all I'm saying. But I, I, I agree with the randomness. So well, my rights today were decided by a, yeah. a, a lawyer game of rock, paper, scissors. I have an annoying point to make that libertarians, uh, LP libertarians might not like very much, but I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. If you are very much against this OSHA mandate, um, you uh, all I'm saying is have a little bit of appreciation for the fact that there was a court that was mostly picked by Republicans and that now this thing that you hate more than almost anything the government's ever done is likely to not go through. Because the Republicans won and put some people on that court. Well, this is going to Supreme Court. Yeah, it's yeah, we'll see. It doesn't. It, it, I don't think it matters what the sixth, uh, what the sixth, sixth circuit decides. Uh, what their opinion is, uh, I think it'll delay it either way. But it's going to be appealed by either side, and it's going to go to Supreme Court. Yeah. I'm, so I would be uh, happy to hear the I, rule on that. That's, and I think there's so many lawsuits and. It, I, I don't think the Supreme Court cannot hear it. I believe I I read somewhere that this specific one going to the Sixth Circuit is the one brought by the Daily Wire. That, that that's the one that's going. So, thanks, Ben. Is Ben going to be there arguing? He's, act, he's actually <laughs> that would be cool. He's actually a lawyer. Yeah, that would be cool. Or to he's see. at least an attorney. I don't know if he's, yeah. I don't know if he has a license, um, which I don't care about anyway. But one last very short thing, very short, and it's also last. We've talked about this several times, but this we, this news just came out yesterday. Also, yesterday we talked about this with Joe and Norberg. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you guys need to you guys need to listen now. If you remember, I always got to take people back, especially for the new listeners that didn't that weren't listening to us in March of 2020. When this whole pandemic started, we talked about the millions of ways that humans die, and we need to make sure we're accounting for all that. Now, did we do that? No, no, we were laser focused on one thing we can't even see (laughs) and that's where everything was pointed um and so things like this is what's happening and it's very sad and we're going to do our best to point these things out to you guys so that we can have some kind of you know quantification of i've already know this the unseen Mm. we're going to try to make the unseen scene i'll tell you what they're blaming it on but let's go yeah 
All right, so this is from NBC News. Yearly overdose deaths top 100,000 for the first time. For the first time ever. We've had more overdoses, and it's it's over 100,000. 100,000. Drug overdose deaths in the United States surpassed 100,000 in a 12-month period for the first time. The CDC said Wednesday, a troubling milestone amid an already devastating period for the country. The number of overdose deaths rose 29%. From uh, 78,000, April 2019 to April 2020, to 100,306 in the following 12 months. The data from CDC's National Center for Health Statistics is considered provisional, but is a good indication of what the final numbers will show next month. Might end up being more. Just how much of a role the stress and isolation of, of the pandemic played in the rising of the overdose deaths remains to be seen. It's not really the pandemic itself. It's the response mm-hmm. to the pandemic, folks. While the two are certainly linked, the pandemic shouldn't be a scapegoat for an epidemic that was a major concern long before COVID. Not Okay, not false, but mm-hmm. maybe we should look at the 29% increase. It's a, it's a bit of an increase. That's a, yeah. It's up. Um, it's not supposed to follow the market. Said Dr. Andrew Colony. Colony. Uh, Medical director of opiate opiate policy research. Um, the other thing I saw this blamed on, and it was actually in this article. I just took it out so we could talk about it afterwards. Um, the main thing I've seen this blamed on is people are upset about their friends and family dying, which is something that has happened, I'm sure. But I found it really interesting to see it immediately not being blamed on the response to the lockdowns and being taken away from losing your jobs, losing your business, stuff like that. But the amazing media shift immediately to saying, well, this is what happens when we let a bunch of people die. If we just, if Trump just would have uh, told everyone that COVID was serious back in February, then all these extra people wouldn't have died. I'm just, I'm adding stuff in right there. That's not, not what it's all right there, but that's what they're Mm -hmm. basically inferring. Like if we would have done a better job with the pandemic, if we would have locked down harder, then we would have saved all these lives from the overdoses because these are overdoses because people are sad that their grandparents died or their parents or their friends. Fantastic manipulation. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's immediate, too. It's... Because they know what the argument... Can you even be mad about it? It's so impressive. Can you be mad? Well, and and they do this because they know what the argument's going to be. They're going to be like, well, see, the lockdowns didn't work. So now they... Without you provoking them, they're... Mm -hmm arguing against you without even they're getting ahead of the argument exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and that's how good manipulators work that's true folks because now you're on the defense instead of them being on the defense they're always the one that's the prosecutor first and then you're always on we're always on the defense and we've talked about this a lot somehow we're on the defense about defending like personal liberty and freedom and self-ownership why the f word are we having to defend the right to self-ownership what the hell? Seriously. Why are we having to defend that? Don't ever defend the right to self-ownership. Make the person you're talking to defend their right to own other people. Make them defend that. All right? That's all I got for the day. It's my final word. Hey, retake the moral high ground by yep. by flying above it. <laughs> there you go. You don't have to stand on top of the hill. You no. Can be above the hill. Build a freaking plane and go up above that thing. Mm-hmm. Take That's your right. Kenosha drone up above everyone else. <laughs> Okay. And enhance it. <laughs> Use your enhancing science alien witchcraft on it. You could show what you need to show. No, I 
you've made that in a helicopter. <laughs> you've made that point so many times, which is why does this show even exist? Isn't it embarrassing? Kind of right that we have that we're, I'm serious. <laughs> when you think about it, I'm serious. Isn't it embarrassing that we have to make the argument in defense of freedom? Yeah. Like what is what is going on here? What is actually going on? The fact that we have to come here every single day in defense of liberty instead of forcing the other side to prove why that, like Nate said, they own us or or that we shouldn't have the liberty. You know, make wow. them defend why they can own other people. Yeah, that is the argument you're having right now. Yeah, you want to own yourself. They're arguing that they can own other people. Yep. And, and so, yeah, when it comes to this, it's, you know, it's going to be really sad over the next at least decade. I think uh, talking to Joe and yesterday, um, it literally, uh, literally, we went backwards three years mm -hmm. in a span of a year. We went backwards three years. A hundred million people. hundred million people back into abject poverty that we had released from abject poverty because why? Because our 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 economies around the world were churning and we put a stop to them. Well it's cause also because Elon Musk won't give that six point six billion dollars to the US. That's that's what it is too. Yeah. yeah. He's yes. got all the money. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And that would save everyone. Yep. Um, so all right, guys, if you enjoyed today's show, then please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend and a foe and the children. Go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Be part of the live. We had almost, we had a half hour, a whole half hour mm -hmm. live pre-show. Um, my whole internet went out, so hopefully it's still going for everybody else. Um, a whole half a hour live pre-show, which you can get by going to Good Morning Liberty dot locals.com go to mastermytrades.com if you want to know what's going on in the stonk market we cover both the stock market and the stonk market and it's a lot of fun yeah. it's a lot of fun every single nicole's saying something about having technical difficulties what do you mean you're crazy yeah we did everything perfectly this is a perfect, coming here saying that crazy stuff like that this is a perfect show spouting off stuff that didn't happen all right. Sorry. I just wanted to gaslight Nicole for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's a lesson in gaslighting, <laughs> uh, which you could also, we're going to start a class on that. So <laughs> please, like I said, share it around, continue to do all the wonderful things you're doing. The show continues to grow because of you. And we really appreciate it. If you guys do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow for some dumb bleep of the mother trucking week until then. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.